This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Donald Trump claimed he, or at least his policies, were on the ballot in the most recent midterm elections. Whether or not that's the case, it's very clear that school choice policy and many other educational issues were affected by the outcome of this most recent election. Most explicitly, Arizona voters were asked if they favored the establishment of tax-deductible education savings accounts that families could use for a wide variety of educational purposes, including sending their child to a private school. The voters rejected the idea by a substantial margin. To discuss what this new issue, education savings accounts, is and the meaning of this rejection, by the voters in Arizona. I have with me today Clint Bolick, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court for the state of Arizona. Thank you, Justice Bolick, for joining me on the Education Exchange. It's great to be with you, Paul. Well, may I still call you Clint after I, all these I years? Wouldn't, I wouldn't recognize uh, it any other way. All right, Clint. Well, uh, before turning to the education questions, let me first congratulate you on your personal election victory. I understand that in Arizona, justices of the Supreme Court must survive a yes-no vote on their retention in office in the next election after they've been appointed by the governor and every six years after that, and you won. Well, uh, I was really thrilled about that. So Yeah, and have, one uh, big 70%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I have almost as many votes as Kirsten Cinema. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good uh, record for uh, somebody who's down the ticket, as they say. Uh, so let's turn to this education savings account issue. This is a new concept within the school choice movement. Uh, what, can you just describe what this sure. uh, policy it's, it's is? It's extremely exciting. Um, and it came when my court, long before I was on it, struck down school vouchers under our state's uh, religion clause. Uh, and so we went back to the drawing board and came up with the idea of education savings accounts, uh, which I sometimes refer to as vouchers on steroids, uh, because basically if you're eligible for one of these accounts, uh, the state issues you a debit card and you can use that card for any educational ex expenditure from private school tuition to tutoring, to distance learning, to purchasing discrete public school services, and on and on. They're especially useful for kids with special needs, uh, but basically anyone can use these accounts uh, to personalize an education that is suited for their skills and their needs. Well, are these tax credits? Are they? Are you reimbursed 100% uh, for every dollar you put into Actually, the they're straight uh, payments from the state. Uh, the state is giving you what you would have used in a public school. So you can, uh, that the, the transfer is directly from the state. So now, if vouchers are unconstitutional in Arizona, I know they're not in, elsewhere in the country, but under the Arizona Constitution, if vouchers are unconstitutional, how can these not be equally subject to that uh, flaw? Well, uh, they have been tested in court and survived. And the idea actually came from the Arizona Supreme Court itself uh, with a question coming from one of the justices saying uh, to this, teacher union's lawyer, um, what if 
these uh, vouchers were not just available for private school tuition, but were available for a wide variety of educational expenses of which private school tuition was only one possibility. The union lawyer acknowledged that they would be constitutional. Now, he changed his mind and came back and, and filed a lawsuit anyway, challenging them. But that's the key differentiation. Uh, if, if it's uh, private schools only, the Arizona Supreme Court said that's unconstitutional because the vast majority of the money will go to religious schools. But if it's just one of a wide array of options, that's permissible. Well, that reminds me of an old Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court decision. Is it Mueller v. Allen? Do I have that right? A Minnesota case? Uh, what was the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in that case? That involved deductions for educational expenses, and the court upheld that, saying that even though 96% of the money was used for private school tuition, because it allowed for those deductions to be used for any educational expense, then it was neutral with regard to religion and therefore constitutional. So that seems a little bit of a precedent for uh, education savings accounts uh, in, in Arizona if they apply similar reasoning to their state right. constitution. And even in the school voucher case in the U.S. Supreme Court, Zellman, uh, the court there thought that it was very important that uh, the funds could also be used in suburban public schools, even though no suburban public schools agreed to accept them. So if the program is neutral on its face, in other words, uh, allows uh, uh, on the face of the law the possibility of using them beyond religious and private schools, it's going to be, not to mix my metaphor, constitutionally kosher. Well, so sometimes people say strict scrutiny has to be applied to instances of race and religion. So why would you just be interested in the face, you know, what that says on its face and not how it's really working in practice, which seems to be required with strict scrutiny? Well, uh, Justice Rehnquist uh, explained that in, in Mueller. Uh, he explained that it's the facial neutrality that matters because individuals are going to be making decisions and you can never project uh, what what they're going to do. Um, one year, perhaps 96% of the money will end up in religious schools. The next year it might be something entirely different. In fact, in Milwaukee, we've seen exactly that happen. The share of, of voucher money that's used in religious schools has declined substantially, and the reason is that non-sectarian uh, private schools open to accept the vouchers as well. So uh, Rehnquist warned that, that you don't want to look at one year. You don't want to look at a snapshot to decide whether a program is unconstitutional or not. Now, that's all very interesting. Now, is, does this mean that uh, whatever their constitutionality, that they're dead in Arizona, the voters having voted this down quite, quite soundly, uh, or does this, is this something that the governor, who is a Republican, was he reelected by a wide margin, Doug Ducey, is he going to be able to revive this with the state legislature? Well, uh, the, the, it was an expansion of the program that was struck down. Basically, the program started with, uh, ki with kids with disabilities, with kids in uh, poor-performing public schools, 
um, children in foster care were eligible, and the legislature expanded the program to allow any student to use education savings accounts. It was that expansion that was voted down by the voters. Um, I happened to hear the governor just the other night, and he emphasized that uh, he wants Arizona to continue to be the leader uh, in the nation for school choice, and he's committed to finding ways to continue to expand the options that are available to children. And as you noted, he was uh, reelected by a wide margin against a candidate who was primarily supported uh, by the opponents of school choice. So it's really hard to read from the election results exactly what the future of school choice is in Arizona. Well, one of the th things that I read from these results and from other results is that uh, school choice is too complicated an idea to put on a ballot and expect the voters to favor. Uh, people vote no when they don't understand things. Uh, this happened in Massachusetts on, on a charter school piece of legislation. It's happened in other states. Vouchers have gone down more than once uh, in referenda. Referenda are not really uh, a good place for the school choice movement to uh, concentrate its efforts. Would, would you agree with that? I, I would definitely agree with that. It's very easy to demonize them. Uh, the, generally, the line against uh, any type of school choice when it's on the ballot is, this will kill public schools. I don't want to kill public schools, and, and nor do the vast majority of Americans. Uh, so when you hear that, um, you're tempted initially to, to vote no, and as a result, they have fared very poorly at the ballot box. But when people vote with their feet, that's a different story. Well, so there's another result that's sort of interesting. Uh, Florida, of course, Florida, we, we still don't know quite what's going to happen, especially for the Senate seat there. It looks like... Uh, the governor's chair will go to a Republican. However, Ron DeSantis seems to be on the verge of consolidating his victory in that state. So what do you think are the implications of continued control of the gubernatorial chair by the Republicans in Florida? Well, Paul, as you know, Florida has had the most successful overall public education reforms, including school choice of, of any state. And the results have been enormously gratifying. That state has done more to uh, reduce the minority academic gap, that is the gap between white and Asian students on one hand and, and black and Hispanic students on the other, of any other state. And choice is a, a critical part of that, uh, both uh, charter schools and uh, private school choice as well. Um, I think there's two potential implications uh, of the governor's race, depending on the outcome. Uh, the first is that if uh, DeSantis is elected, I, I expect that there will continue to be a favorable political climate uh, for school choice in Florida. But the other thing is that the Florida Supreme Court, which uh, 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 a little over a decade ago struck down school vouchers, um, has it also changed. struck down George W. Bush, as I recall. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> very absolutely right. significant uh, decision that <laughs> the uh, U.S. Supreme Court had to attend right. to. And made our, our friend Hanging Chad uh, very famous <laughs> yeah. in the process. But um, 
uh, there are two openings on the court that will be filled imminently by the next governor, as I understand it. And, and so the composition of that important court, uh, I think, will be uh, affected by whoever wins. Yeah, party. because that court has not been very friendly to school vouchers. I think right. it's struck down more than one voucher program in Florida. I think... I, I think uh, actually, I don't know, but it has been hostile in the past. The composition has been changing, and I think that whoever wins uh, this race will will affect the composition of, determine the composition of that court for years to come. Well, so in Wisconsin, it's a different story. Governor Scott Walker lost that election uh, despite his fervent support for school choice uh, over the years. Uh, so what do you see going forward? I know you did a lot of litigation in Wisconsin and uh, saved the voucher program in Milwaukee, got the first uh, state Supreme Court decision uh, uh, in saying that this was not a violation of the establishment cause of uh, either the federal or state constitution. So uh, what, do you, what do you think is the likely consequence of this change in Wisconsin? Well, certainly the governor... Uh, elect is is very hostile to school choice but as you know Milwaukee is the oldest urban school voucher program in the United States it's really well ensconced now Milwaukee if you go now you will see uh, street corners where there are public schools charter schools and private schools all competing with each other and and so I think that uh, uh, that choice, especially in Milwaukee, really has a, a beachhead that it's it's never going to surrender. So the question there, I think, is will it expand under this governor? I, I really doubt it. But will it go away? I can't imagine that happening. It's simply been such a success story. Yeah, it's pretty hard to uh, cut back on a choice program once it in, it's in once it's in place there's too many parents and there's too many students who are pretty pleased with what the opportunity is that they're being provided with and that's certainly the case in Milwaukee so in Ohio uh, you, you are continuing with the Republican governor in Ohio that was where the Zellman case begins Cleveland Ohio that's the one that went to the Supreme Court that you just mentioned uh, you were they're uh, making the case that uh, this did not uh, uh, fall afoul uh, uh, the establish establishment clause. Uh, just remind me again, what was your argument? How did you convince the court that uh, earlier court decisions that, that said you couldn't support religion in schools did not apply in this case? Well, the, the earlier cases uh, dealt with uh, bailout programs for Catholic schools. Uh, they emanated in the 1970s as Catholic schools were going under and uh, a variety of schemes were launched to try to save those schools. We tried to change the, the conversation uh, because the Mil Milwaukee program, the Cleveland program, and the other programs uh, in the 1990s were designed not to save schools but to save students. And uh, we felt that if we could make this a case about children, not about religion, we would win. And I think we did that uh, in large part because of what I was explaining before, and that is uh, these programs allowed children to choose from a wide a variety of, of educational options. In fact, 
one argument that uh, we advanced that proved very effective, and, and you had a lot to do with it, is your former uh, or your, your forever protege, uh, Jay Green, did a study of the Cleveland program and found that, uh, uh, that uh, students attending uh, religious schools were just a small fraction of the kids in Cleveland who were attending schools of choice. And the court found that to be very, very persuasive in, in concluding that this really was an educational reform program. Not a single dime was preordained for a religious school. And uh, uh, again, the program was neutral on its face, um, uh, allowed for what the court referred to as true private choice, where uh, the parents were not uh, uh, forced or, or induced to attend a religious school. We could attend a charter school, a suburban public school, or a private school, either sectarian or not. And uh, in Ohio, choice has uh, spread since, and, uh, and, uh, and we must assume that the election results are basically good for a continuation of the choice options in that state. Well, and the new governor, uh, Mike DeWine, has been a, a fervent choice supporter throughout his long political career, and, and so I would expect that to continue. So uh, now, shifting a little bit here, the other big event that's happened this fall has been uh, the appointment of a new justice to the Supreme Court, Brett Kavanaugh. And I, I know we had a lot of conversations about Brett Kavanaugh and his youth and so on, but there hasn't been too much attention given to exactly where he stands on the Establishment Clause in the First Amendment, uh, the Free Exercise Clause in the First Amendment. Uh, so what's his record when it comes to the, uh, the religion and the First Amendment and, and its implications for choice? Well, uh, Kavanaugh um, has quite a track record in this area, both as a judge and as a lawyer before becoming a judge. In fact, he was a part of the uh, legal defense team in Florida. He, uh, he, along with some more senior lawyers at the time, represented Governor Jeb Bush in defending the Florida voucher program. And the New York Times did a, a very insightful article looking at his views on religious establishment and concluding that uh, this is one of his, his greatest issues of, of personal, uh, uh, personal concern. So uh, he will probably, now, the man he's replacing, Justice Kennedy, voted to uphold vouchers and, and Zellman. Um, but I think that this may be a, a, an area of, of special emphasis for Justice Kavanaugh. So his appointment is, I think, very, very good news for uh, school choice. So there's, uh, it's, it's really quite unlikely that Zellman is going to be uh, qualified or, or much less overturned. Yeah, to the contrary. I think that the the big issue that's going to be before the Supreme Court is uh, 
not so much uh, whether you can include religious schools among the choices that the state makes available to its students, but whether you can exclude religious schools from the choices states make. That's really the, uh, the, the frontier right now, and I would expect that uh, Justice Kavanaugh would have uh, a lot of interesting ideas on that uh, on that issue. Well, the court picked this up this issue up recently when it talked about playgrounds in Missouri and whether or not the Lutheran playground uh, I think there was some state officer said, well, we can give playgrounds to all the schools but not to religious ones. That's uh, right. Yeah. And so what did the court decide in the that? The court case? by a 7 to 2 vote in a case called Trinity Lutheran uh, voted that the state could not exclude uh, uh, religious schools from the funds that it made available for playgrounds. Uh, but of those seven justices, four justices said this only applies to playgrounds. Um, and so the, the bigger issue of whether states in general can, uh, can uh, discriminate against religious options remains an open question with, uh, we know, at least uh, two justices uh, Justice Gorsuch and Justice Thomas wrote separately to emphasize that they thought this should be a much broader ruling, uh, but the other justices are, are very much up, up for grabs on that issue. Well, I guess you can say playgrounds are clearly secular, although you could have religious uh, instruction on a playground, I guess, uh, but they do seem to be clearly a secular part of the uh, school environment and so maybe that's why it was easier to get a seven to two vote well you know it's hard to say because the justices didn't say they <laughs> simply said this only applies to playgrounds with zero well this literally is, no analysis this is whatsoever. this maybe that's what we really care about <laughs> <laughs> why would you make a ruling just for playgrounds well we i think we can look forward to religious schools having much nicer playgrounds in the future <laughs> well thank you very much uh, Justice Bolick, I've been speaking with uh, Clint Bolick, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court for the State of Arizona. Thank you, Clint, for joining me today on the Education Exchange. It's great to be with you, Paul. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me every Monday at noon when our weekly podcast is released on the Education Next website.